0: Hello, I'm Brad Geddes. Webmasterradio.fm wants to help you explore the keys to success in your internet marketing and expand your wealth of knowledge. Introducing the Webmasterradio.fm mobile app, now available for iPhone and Android. Download it today from the iTunes Store or Google Play Store. Discover new ways to revolutionize your revenue stream linked right to your smartphone with the new Webmasterradio.fm mobile app.
1: Prepare to experience Marketing Nirvana right now. Here are your hosts.
0: Hello listeners, welcome to Marketing Nirvana. I'm your host, Brad Geddes, the founder of Certified Knowledge. We're a marketing training and tool set company. On this show, we investigate various ways which your marketing efforts can reach a of nirvana. You can find show notes and other information about our guests on CertifiedKnowledge.org. So recently, Google's made some changes in how Ad Rank functions. So to dig into these changes and how they're going to affect your account and potentially some quality score items, we're here to talk with Fred Valais. Now, Fred was an early employee at Google where he spent 10 years building and teaching AdWords. Um, He was Google's only AdWords evangelist, which is the position he had when we first met several years ago now. He was a member of the team that created the AdWords editor, so he makes... Like he, he likes making complex things seem simple, and so earlier this year, he found an optimizer with some Google and Microsoft alumni, and optimizer's goal is to show quick and unique data insights and make optimizing AdWords accounts quick through their, their trademarked one-click optimizations. So thanks, Fred, and thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having
2: me, Brad. Always good to be on with you.
0: Excellent. So let's hop right in here and... and you know, Google recently made a change in how ad rank works. And I think this is their first change since they really introduced quality score back in 04-05. So it used to be a pretty simple system. It was your click-the rate times quality score. And, and markers had an idea that as quality score changed, or sorry, it was max CPC times quality score, but as quality score changed or your max CPC changed, you could kind of anticipate ad rank changes. Now, extensions are factored That's sort of a big change. So, how are extensions being used? And is there some formula how we can kind of think about how, how AdRank is calculated now?
2: Yeah, you're right. I mean, it is a big change. And I think exactly like you said, there's only really been two changes since the early days. And I think it's helpful to have some of that historical perspective. And so, when I joined AdWords in 2002, the ad ranking formula. was maximum cost per click multiplied by CTR. But then Google got sophisticated in terms of being able to predict CTR. And instead of looking at just historical, they would uh, would actually try to predict what your CTR would be. Um, But then they got even more sophisticated and they started seeing all these uh, ways that they could evaluate CTR in different manners. And so rather than giving it a complicated name that would potentially confuse people, they just named it a quality score. Uh, and actually, quality score does confuse people sometimes as well, so maybe they didn't do that good of a job with it. But basically, they said, let's just name CTR and predictive CTR something different. Let's name it quality score so that we have a little more flexibility in terms of what we do with it. And so um, so that, that became the new way of ranking ads. And like you said, I was in around 2005. Uh, and then earlier this year, they said, we're going to start looking at extensions as part of the formula. And it really makes sense when you think about it, right? Because What Google was trying to do was show the ads that have the highest likelihood of driving clicks and, and by extension, revenue for Google. And once they introduced ad extensions, these were big drivers of improvements in CTR. Uh, But in the early days when those were experimental and they weren't sure that they were going to keep these around and they weren't available to every advertiser, uh, it didn't make sense to necessarily include it in the formula. But now that we're a couple of years down the line, ad extensions are here to stay. Google knows they drive great results. It also makes sense to factor in the CTR that they bring to the table and make that part of the ad rank formula. And basically the easiest way for us as advertisers to think about this is to say, well, if we can enable ad extensions in our accounts that improve our CTR, then that's going to be kind of like in the old days when a, a boost in CTR it was helping me get a higher position on the page and a lower effective cost per click to maintain that position. Um, so I think it's just... The way that ads have evolved into something new, into something different. Now Google's uh, taking that new information and putting that into the ad rank formula.
0: So from a weighting perspective, right, should we think of it's still max CPC, you know, times 0.5. And, of course, it's not quite this exact, you know, plus our quality score, you know, plus ad extension changes as the other half or... Is the weighting moved more to CTR? I mean, when you think you know, from a weighting standpoint, how much do extensions really play in this?
2: Yeah, I mean, so the way that the system was built, it was artificial intelligence. And so I, I, I'm, I'm not the guy who built it. I'm not like the statistician expert here. But basically, there's no way that you can say it's a 50% factor on this and a 50% factor on that. I think it always varies based on what the system has seen and what it can make predictions based on. Um, that said though I think CTR is, is still by far the main driver uh, of quality score so so for example if you have an ad that doesn't perform well on a CTR basis but you put in an ad extension like a site link, and all of a sudden your CTR jumps up 200% well then you bet that that 200% is going to weigh a whole lot more than the CTR of the underlying ad um, and so in that way, I think it's still just helpful to think about CTR as a pretty global number and, uh, and, and sort of, you know, if you can have a big CTR improvement by doing um, a restructuring of your ad group, then do that. If you could have a bigger CTR impact by writing a new ad text, then that's the thing you should be focusing on rather than trying to work from, you know, how does it break down percentage wise between each of the different factors.
0: Okay, so of course I always do this. I put together an agenda, and then I hop off the agenda right, right in the beginning. So you know, a lot of this is obviously click-through rate drivers, and and it seems you know, starting with uh, October of last year when Google changed the display quality score more than they changed the actual quality score, that landing pages almost seem to have less and less of an effect. So I can now have quality score tens when i have landing pages which are deemed below average are, are landing pages becoming less important as ctr becomes more or we just kind of think is wrong way to think about that
2: yeah that, i mean that's really interesting actually that you see quality scores of 10 where you have a bad landing page quality score now landing pages they they have a pretty interesting history at google as well and so initially it used to be that the reason landing page quality was introduced was the that there were Really poor advertisers out there who um, would take people's personal information and do sketchy things with it. They would promise that you could get a free iPod, um, to, but then you'd come to their site, you do whatever they asked you, and then they wouldn't give you that iPod. So Google was trying to fight these uh, these scammy players, and so um, and that was part of the quality score team. And then later on, all of that spammy behavior moved over to the policy team, and so the. the the role that landing page quality has played in Google's quality score has sort of fluctuated from nothing in the beginning to a very large part uh, you know, a couple of years ago. And then it, it decreased again because the really bad players were being taken out to a different system and being pushed out of AdWords that way as opposed to through quality score. Um, so that said, I, I think landing page quality is often still a huge lever that we have as advertisers because at the end of the day, if we... As advertising professionals, have done a great job at putting up the right keywords, putting up great ad text. Our biggest lever for driving more results may be an improvement to the landing page. Um, and so making sure that we don't lose people when they come to the landing page, that we don't have high bounce rates, that we have good time on site, those things kind of correlate to having a successful business and and, and probably being able to bid a whole lot more on those same keywords. So if we do a better job than our competitors on landing pages, we, we can effectively bid them and, and vie for those top three positions, which are I think ever more important at Google, right? If you're not in the top three, then your results are going to be marginal compared to to those that top of the page where so many people click on the ads.
0: Yeah, where I usually see uh, ten quality scores and low landing page quality and low landing page factors in QS is when they're one page landing pages, and I might have a twenty percent conversion rate. You know, which is a fantastic conversion especially like an insurance lead gen, but I've got an eighty percent bounce rate, and so if I make changes to satisfy quality score, my actual conversion rates go down, and I bid less. and so let's use the scenarios I get into. but before we jump too far into one little factor here, um you recently did a, a fantastic presentation, which I saw. Um, for Google, and you talked about the three types of quality score. Can you kind of cover that real quick for us?
2: Um, yeah, and remind me which the three types were, because quality score does break down quite a few ways, and it, it may have been that I was talking about the difference between quality score on mobile. Um, you're you're
0: talking mobile search and display, but but how about you, what are the ways, not break that, but where's quality score held? How's that for a starting spot?
2: Yeah, I mean, so quality score is held at the keyword level. Uh, And so the the way that Google calculates that quality score number is on a normalized basis. And what that means is that you'll see next to a keyword, but it's based on that keyword's performance in a pretty limited scope. Um, And that scope specifically is its performance on google.com search on the exact match. So when the keyword matches exactly to the query that the user did. Um, And then there's some weighting done between mobile devices and desktop devices. So if you have a keyword that mostly shows up on mobile, then most of that quality score comes from its mobile performance. Whereas if it's mostly a desktop keyword, then most of that quality score will be desktop quality score. Um, And that's kind of the unfortunate part is that Google doesn't really break it out between the different um, device types or the different networks. Um, And in fact, you know, on display, there's really no way to know what your quality score is. And in those cases, you know, you might be able to look
0: at other things like CTR. Yep. Okay, so let's do this. Let's, we're going to take a, a quick break for our sponsors. And we're going to dig a little bit more into diagnosing desktop versus mobile quality scores and ways to kind of figure out what your options or, or issues may be. So we'll be right back after a quick break.
1: More Marketing Nirvana after we thank our sponsors. Plus, let our in-house printing and CD, DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything.
2: Fulfillment, shipping, tracking. Inside and out and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy.
1: Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. WebmasterRadio.fm presents CEO Coach, a show custom-built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. Jillian Music, your CEO coach, will break down the art of business development from the ground up. CEO Coach, on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Injecting new life. Into your internet marketing. Welcome back to Marketing Nirvana, presented by Certified Knowledge.org, only on Webmaster Radio.fm.
0: So, we are back talking with Fred Valets uh, about quality score. And, and so, as you're mentioning, we've got our, our quality score, right? Is, is Google looks at it for desktops and, and tablets differently, or on mobile differently, but we as advertisers can't see that. So sometimes I'll, I'll be looking at accounts, and I see my quality score is 4. And I may look at it and say, wow, my desktop CTR is a 9%, my mobile is a 1%, or my bounce rates are different by devices. I mean, when, you, when you're when you trying to figure out if it's a device issue or a global issue for that keyword, what are kind of the steps you go through to figure out is, is it a big change you need to make or just a change to a specific you know ad Add performance type or, or mobile versus desktop, desktop website?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right. We, we're pretty limited in the data that we can look at. So I would definitely do that segmentation, like you said, and break out the performance based on the device types. And then look at the CTR, look at the bounce rates, look at the things that are um, they are not exactly what goes into quality score, but it's the best information that we have. And, uh, and so, but you have to be a little bit cautious with that. And I've, I've definitely seen situations where someone looks at their CTR and their CTR is actually increasing. Uh, but perhaps that was driven by search partners. And search partners, they don't factor into the baseline quality score that you see in the account. So that number between 1 to 10. Now, that, that said, I should actually maybe back up for a second and explain that there's really two quality scores. There's the, the quality score, the 1 to 10, that you see in the account next to a keyword. And that is based on historical performance, mostly CTR, very normalized, uh, as I've explained before. But what happens at the time that the user actually goes to Google or to a search partner and does a search, now Google takes that baseline, that 1 to 10, but they have so much more information, right? Now they know which website the ad is going to run on. They know what exactly did the user type in. So if, if it was a broad match, what exactly were the words that the user typed in? What's the time of day? What's the day of the week? Where's the user located? All of these things then factor into kind of a, a real-time quality score, and that will then give you your performance for that specific auction. So your, your specific ad rank and your actual CPC for that specific search is determined by that real-time quality score. And so the the, the reason I mention it is, is that if we just look at, you know, if we if we try to break it down and figure out, okay, that number 1 to 10 that I see in my account, how does it come from one thing versus another thing? Um that that's good to look at, but keep in mind that I mean ultimately what you're trying to do is have the best performance on every device, on every network, and uh, and so usually what you look at, like you said, was CTR, bounce rate, sort of the things that also talk to how your business is going to perform. Because um, you mentioned earlier, to quality score, you know you're trying to optimize for it. In a case where you have a 20% conversion rate on your landing page, well, guess what? If I have a 20% conversion rate and I'm making money and my quality score is the two, I don't care. Right? Uh, look yeah, at your Exactly,
0: yeah. right? I mean at some point in time Google stops showing things so much, but but um okay, so let's let's move on to the next big question of quality score is I made a brand new account. I of course ha- or added a lot of brand new keywords that Google's gotta give me quality score. Where's that data come from? And how long until it's really my my data?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And so What Google does in the case where you're putting in a new keyword into your account is they look at how that keyword has performed for other advertisers. Uh, Chances are that you're not the first one to think of that keyword. So Google knows historically what is the CTR performance for that keyword. And that sets a baseline. And then the nice thing that they do is they say, well, you as an advertiser based on your account wide data, have you typically been better than average, worse than average or just average? And so you get your, system-wide averages for that new keyword, but then Google tweaks it to take into account that you're a really good advertiser, right? So you're gonna start a little bit ahead of everybody else. Now, at that point, the data starts coming in and Google starts to give actual impressions to your keyword and your ad that you wrote specifically for that keyword. And then as soon as they have statistical significance of some sort, then the quality score that you see will be more based on your performance than that system-wide average.
0: Okay, so, so let's – I'm going to revisit landing pages to touch here. So when we first add it, it's really more about our accounts history and, and, and Google's projection of our, of our uses of the keyword. But Google looks at landing pages, and, and so it seems that when you first add a word, Google kind of says, is the page there? And then a little bit later, they go and say, okay, is this page good or bad? And so, is there a delay in when Google really gives you your landing page information to your quality scores?
2: Yeah, the landing page information that takes longer to come into the system. And that's because they, I mean, what they're trying to look for is what is the user experience when it was that particular keyword that was searched, and then they go to that one landing page. And so, obviously, that data is not available in real time. And uh, like you said, that takes. I think it could take anywhere from 100 clicks to a whole lot more than that for Google to be sure what's happening. The other thing is there is a time delay on that, and I'm not sure exactly how often they update those landing page quality scores today. Uh, But back in the day, it used to be sort of on an ongoing basis, but but it wouldn't necessarily show up the day that you made a change to it. Um, Yeah, that's sometime.
0: Yeah, that's sometimes still sort of an issue, right? You see you've got a low landing page quality score, so you go and you tweak your website, and then you, of course, look back to say did this make a, a difference, right? And there's a, a, quite a delay sometimes in that update. Is there any way to kind of force a recrawl or to know if this new page is going to be better? Is, is, what should you do after you make a new page besides just kind of wait and hope something happens?
2: Yeah, as far as I know, uh, I think it's just that uh, waiting and hoping, uh, because at the end of the day, so Google does have their approval system, and if you were to delete the ad and recreate it with a landing page, it may be that that review system comes back and crawls your page again, but uh, the landing page quality mechanism doesn't necessarily then say, okay, we need to reevaluate that page as well. Uh, they they've got their own methodology of how long they need to wait, how much data they need. And, uh, and so, unfortunately, you're sort of just waiting for Google to, to get to it at that point.
0: Okay, so so Score is updated, you know, real-time versus once a day versus whenever they get around to calling your page. But um, so our Quality Score obviously changes by keyword on an ongoing basis. So how important is it to track Quadiscore Score history? Is, is this an important thing to look at?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm partial because one of the tools that we provide is a quality score tracker. But the reason that I think it's useful to track your quality score history is that it gives you insight into how you've been doing as an account manager. If you make changes, are those changes leading to a better quality score or a worse quality score? Um, And so unfortunately, uh, you may not realize that, well, I know you realize it, but some listeners may not be aware that quality score is an attribute as opposed to a metric. And what that means to Google is that they store it um, or actually they don't store it. They just tell you this is your quality score at this moment in time that you're looking at the account. But if you set your date range in AdWords back to five months ago, your quality score number is not going to be different to the one that you see. So they don't save that historical perspective. And that kind of, a, you know, to me is painful, right? I mean, you do optimizations in an account and, yeah, you see the improvement in CPC and the improvement in conversions, But I also want to know, am I improving the quality score? Am I doing what Google believes to be the right thing for users? Um, And so kind of having that historical perspective is good because now I can see if I did a good optimization and my quality score increased, I can say, well, this methodology seems to be solid. You know, this type of restructuring, this type of ad text seems to really be in line with what Google's trying to do from a quality score perspective. And at the same time, it gave me good results for my business. So I'm going to do more of these. Um, And
0: so that's the reason I like it. No, that's a very good reason. Actually, both tracking increases and decreases. Because decreases sometimes aren't you. They are changes in how quality score is factored, which can give you that insight as well. So how do you get alerted when your quality score drops for a keyword? Do you set alerts up in Google? Do you use your own tool? I mean, if you've got a million keywords, you don't care about all million quality scores. You could never figure that out. You care about your top keywords and then some averages and stuff. So how do you kind of monitor when you have work to do on specific words or ad groups or whatnot?
2: Yeah, and that's a good point. And we don't specifically monitor drops in quality score. We sort of monitor more at the, uh, the KPI level in terms of conversions, return on ad spend. And if something happens to a keyword, then we might go back into our tool and we might look at what's the history uh, on the quality score basis for this keyword. And so what we're trying to do at that point is investigate what caused a change, either positive or negative for a certain keyword. Um, and if we see that it's quality score related, well then, uh, then we can go take a look at the CTR did. Was there a meaningful change in the ad text, for example? Uh, Should we be writing new ad text or did we do a restructure of the account that led to a negative result? Now, um, one kind of odd thing is that Google does normalize quality score for position. Basically, what that means is that if you're an advertiser, you show up at the top of the page, Google expects you to have a tremendous CTR. Whereas if you put the same ad on the right-hand side of the page, your CTR is going to be much lower. Uh, So Google normalizes for that because they know the top position has a better CTR than the right-hand side position. Um.
0: And so. Okay. So how. so I I'll, I'll, I actually have two follow ups. That so yep. number number one for a long time and maybe Google's better with this now that while they were good within normalizing on the top and within normalizing on the side what they weren't really good was normalizing between the two where. It, it was easy to drop from three to four, like drop from the top of the page to the right rail. But it was sometimes hard to go from right rail to the top just because of that, that normalization difference. Have they gotten better about looking at the numbers between those two parts of the page?
2: Yeah, and so I don't think they have, to be honest. And I think they still look at pretty generic normalizations. Um, and so the, the way that I can see that is in my quality score tracking tool, we, we can see that if you increase your maximum cost per click and you boost yourself to the top of the page, sometimes you do get a higher quality score as a result of that. Um, and so, again, if, if Google is normalizing, but you're still buying yourself essentially a better quality score, then that's an indication that that normalization is not always working. And, and I haven't really seen that change meaningfully. Um, and, and I was going to say this is actually a tip. So if you want to take the lazy approach, to optimizing your quality score, you can always try boosting your bid, go to the top of the page. The one benefit is there's a lot more data there, right? You're going to get more impressions, more clicks, so Google's going to have um, statistically significant data for your account much more quickly. So if you were sort of lingering on page two, then maybe your quality score is not even really your quality score yet. Maybe it's still those system-wide averages, but by boosting yourself to the top of page one, now you get so much data that Google very quickly figures out this is what your real quality score is. And in some cases, you do get... Um, a boost because the, the CTR normalization for position on the page is not as aggressive as it should be.
0: Okay, yeah, that, that's, that, I, I agree with that. So let's do this. Let's take one more quick break, and then we're going to get into just a couple last quick questions on when quality score just seems low and there's nothing you can ever do about it to, to increase it. Some, this, sometimes this comes up.
1: More marketing Nirvana after we thank our sponsors.
2: There are many things we would love to catch. Catching the final out of a baseball game. And that's the ball game. Reeling that
1: big catch of the day. Or catching a ride home. Taxi! How about catching more attention, like the biggest retail brands on earth? Introducing Catchy.com, where they sell short, branded, attractive.com domain names. Use a short and catchy brand, just like Sony, Visa, and Nike, for your next business venture. You can even rent to own for as low as $100 a month. Catch a big... Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandswithaz.com or call one 8
0: You are dedicated and devoted to a life of developing new ideas and innovations. Willing to take calculated career risks, achieving independent wealth and success. Then you are ready to experience the Entrepreneur
2: Effect. On demand anytime. Inside the Internet Marketing Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm
1: Injecting new life into your Internet Marketing Welcome back to Marketing Nirvana, presented by Certified Knowledge only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
0: And so we're talking uh, with Fred Valais about Quality Score, and, and my last kind of deep question here is: sometimes I will look at an account. This is often in industries where CPCs are, you know, fifty dollars plus, maybe even hundred and fifty plus. And no matter what they're doing, they can't break a three. Now, for a long time, maybe they'll have a couple fours. Now, for a while, Google would never put threes and fours above the fold in those premium positions. And, and then as more and more accounts seem to have this like lockdown issue – we would still see then suddenly all of our impressions are on the top of the page, but our QS is a three and, and we can't seem to break a three. Are there industries or, or certain types of words that are almost capped in quality score?
2: Yeah. And I think it's not so much that Google caps the quality score. It's more that quality score to Google is an absolute measure of your CTR performance and some, some of the other things they look at. Um, and so it's not relative. And that's the key point, right? It's not, at Bing for example I I believe their system is relative so you could have a high quality score if you were the worst of a whole bunch of bad advertisers Uh, on Google that doesn't happen if there's a keyword that's not commercial in nature um, but you still want to advertise on it well you're going to be capped by the inherent CTR limitations that come from the users, users just are not looking for what you're selling Ah, so it's going to be low Um, but and it so, sounds like he
0: go ahead. Yeah, the one that jumps to mind, right? They're in the messotheum space, which we are is a messy, messy space. They run twelve percent click through rates, yep. so that's a pretty decent CTR on some of these terms. So it's not straight CTR always. It just seems like, you know, there are times you'll have oddities, right? Where you've got one word that's a four quality score, and you reverse the two words, and there's no difference in intent, and the reverse words a ten. Right? There's sometimes there just seems some oddities in the system. And, and so, if, if you see, I guess here's another way of phrasing this if you see that your impressions are now pretty much always in the top three positions, and no matter what you do, you can't, you got decent CTRs but can't raise quality score, should you obsess over quality score or just accept your fours, be happy with the revenue, and walk away?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's latter You just uh, hopefully you're running a profitable business on those quality score four keywords, and uh, you kind of go with that. Because at the end of the day, I mean, you can stress out and stress out, but but sometimes, like you said, there's a there's a limit, and you know, whether it's a Google imposed limit or a limit because of what users are doing, um, you may find it very very hard to to get yourself higher up on that page, and, and that's kind of at that point you then decide is it worth my effort going to a quality score of five or six. Or am I going to devote that time to improving my landing page and eking out another 2-3% of a uh, conversion rate, which might actually be a whole lot more money than that discount you would have gotten from Google for going from a, a quality score 4 to a 5?
0: Okay, so here's the question I didn't write you earlier that I'm sure people who know your history will want you to hear an answer from. So here's your surprise before we wrap up. So you're with Google for almost 10 years, not quite. And, of course, you saw everything from from Google's perspective, and you talked to advertisers, but you didn't have to work with their business models and data. And and now you're a consultant. You have tools and so forth, and you're kind of on the outside. I mean, you obviously get great support. You know everyone there, but you now have to work within the system. How do you kind of find that your perspective has changed about Google or AdWords or has it changed, kind of being on the other side of the fence for a while?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's a great question. And so when I left Google, I didn't think I'd be doing what I am doing today, building a tool company, uh, because I, I frankly thought that a lot of the problems that I had seen early on at Google had been solved, and that there were these great optimization tools and that somebody must have built the quality score tracking tool at this point. Uh, and then I come out there and I start helping people with their accounts, and I can't find those tools. And if they exist, they're extremely expensive. They're not easy to use. And I was like, I need to build something better. So that—that's why I started Optimizer. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a totally different perspective having to actually go into these accounts and kind of realizing, hands-on, now which tools of Google really work well, which ones don't. Um, I mean, I was inside of Google, and, and I fundamentally believe they're trying to do the right things for advertisers. Um, so I, I know a lot of people, for example, take issue with bid management by Google because they fear that you know if you give your data to Google. Google's going to do some things with that that you might not want to. Um, I fundamentally believe that that is not their intent. They want to have advertisers be successful because that's what guarantees them a repeat business for many, many years to come. Um, but I also understand sort of the limitations of what the product managers, the engineers at Google can do and, and how many things that are being asked to do. And, uh, and and so certain things, as much as we may want them, um, are just probably not going to be a high priority uh, which is good for me, right? It's, it, it means that yep. me as a tool company, I can actually build some stuff and I know you're working on stuff too. Um, that's really addressing some of these gaps for the more sophisticated advertisers. Uh, and, and that's sort of my final point. Google, what they're doing is they're building a system in AdWords that I think really the success of AdWords came about because it was it worked well at scale. It was easy for smaller advertisers to use it. Um, and then of course, as the big guys caught on a couple years later, um, now Google's supporting a system that has to work for super sophisticated advertisers, complete newbies, and uh, and so you know e- even doing stuff with quality score, it's tricky for them because most people don't understand it like you and me and, and the people listening to this show. Um, so if you put out a little bit too much information, you might confuse a million advertisers, um, and I think that's where the opportunity for us lies.
0: Now that that's very fair because I kind of feel over the past really two years, AdWords has moved towards supporting the immature advertisers at the expense of taking away features and, and good things for the sophisticated ones, um, you know, code to the, the lowest denominator. So we're just going take a couple of minutes than usual here. So you, you did say you've got some tools that Google uses that you really do like now that you're on the outside. What are your favorite, you know, one or two or three tools that, that you use inside of AdWords?
2: So I'm really happy that they built uh, the before and after date comparisons a little bit better. Um, oh, yeah, John a-
0: did a great job on that.
2: Yeah, exactly. I uh, had John yeah. um, That The bid management, the flexible bid strategies, um, I think they could certainly be easier to set up and add to units in the account like keywords or ad groups. But I think uh, target CPAs worked really well for me. Um, and having that flexibility of putting different target CPAs across different uh, ad groups and campaigns, that that's really good. So I like that. It's driving good results for me. Um, and then probably my favorite is AdWords scripts. Um, these things you can program virtually anything to be automated in the account. And uh, and so when I work with my customers, you know, if if customer asks me for a specific piece of data. If that's going to take me four hours to put together the report to, to answer that question, I'd much rather use an AdWords script and build it so that I can then repeat it for all of my other uh, clients and, and put it into Optimizer and make it available to everyone. And uh, so I've been having a ton of fun with AdWords scripts. And if you haven't looked at those, a really, really powerful ways to automate your account and um, have more time to spend doing the things you want to do or spend time with the family.
0: Yep. Now, now, finally then, if you're willing to answer this, you, of course, don't have to. Are there any tools you look at now from the advertiser perspective and say, "Wow, I'm not going to use that or that just doesn't work and maybe you thought it did when you were at Google? Are there any that fall into that realm?
2: I mean, I recently had some issues with Target ROAS where that hasn't been performing great, uh, but I think as an advertiser, I gave it a fair shot. I tested it on some campaigns and it didn't work out, so I let them know and I moved on. Um, and I, again, I believe that they're trying to build the right thing. So if it's not working right now, it may so it may work in the future.
0: Um, and that's a fairly new one, so that's when they've got a second shot to make that one better. Um. Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, and I think I mean they're really trying. They're answering an advertiser concern, right? I mean, y'all wanted or a lot of people want to manage to ROAS as opposed to cost per acquisition. When we have shopping carts, so it makes sense to have this tool. And you know, it's yep. uh, clearly not the easiest thing to build. So I'm totally give it another shot at some point in the future. Um, I guess what I sometimes take a little bit more issue with is the, some of the salesiness, Um, you know, (laughs) exactly right. You mean, you mean sales over support? Yeah, exactly. Um, When I joined Google, it was a support organization. When I left Google, it was a sales organization. And I think that uh, we're all feeling that, that sometimes.
0: Yeah, no, that that's very fair. Um, I, I I see that all the time as, you know, I'll get a call or or I I had an account of the day that, you know, got an email that was like, hey, I'm here to help you increase your spend. And, you know, we'll do a one time optimization, right, which essentially means we'll figure out how to spend more money for you. But then I'm not going to touch it ever again, at least for the next six months. Right. Yeah. It, it's those kind of calls that you just kind of like, well, that doesn't really help. Um, so yeah, I, I, I feel that pain
2: and figuring out that, you know, as, as new tools get built, obviously the product managers want people to get on those tools. So then the sales team might have an incentive to get people to try it out. And, and again, that's, that's good when Google builds something new, totally try it out because when we see like sidelinks and they have a 17% boost in CTR, that's something you should all be using. But then for every one of those, there might be another one that maybe not quite ready for prime time, maybe not driving the same results. Um, Test it, give it a fair shot, but don't let what the Google sales team tells you um, shift your priorities necessarily, right? I mean, if if we look at mobile and how much they're pushing mobile, that's for a reason. That's because so many people search on mobile devices now, and there's a lot of uh, conversion value coming from that. But other things, you know, maybe not quite as important for us to spend time on when there's so many other things we could be doing.
0: Yep, yep. Totally agree, totally So thanks, Fred. This has been fantastic. Um, if someone wants to learn more about you, find Optimizer, take a look at your scripts, so forth, how can they find you online? Yeah, so
2: I go to Optimizer, and that's spelled O-P-T-M-Y-Z-R dot com, um, or you can email me at frederick at optimizer dot com, or uh, find me on Twitter at Silicon Valley's, um, and that's my last name, so Silicon, V-A-L-L-A-E-Y-S.
0: And we'll uh, put links the- to all this on the blog post for the show, too, so you can always check out that information. So thanks so much for being on the show and have a, you know, happy holidays and a good new year, Fred.
2: You too, Brad. Talk to you next time. Bye
0: everyone. And and thank you listeners for joining us for another episode of Mark and Nirvana. As a reminder, the show notes and other information about our guests can be found on certified knowledge.org. New episodes of Mark and Nirvana can be found on Mondays at noon, Eastern 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find the archives or past episodes at webmasterradio.fm, Stitcher, iTunes, the Radio. Apps, tune in, Google Play, and pretty much everywhere around the web. Thank you for listening.